part two of chapter twelve of the italian this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. reading by marty chris the italian by anne radcliffe chapter twelve part two my signor replied geronimo i do not deceive you when i protest by our holy saint that i have not caused this gate to be fastened and that i would open it if i could the lock which holds it was not shot an hour ago i am the more surprised at what has happened because this place is seldom passed even by the holiest footstep whoever has passed now has been led hither by suspicion and comes to intercept your flight your wily explanation brother may serve you for an inferior occasion but not on this replied vivaldi either therefore unclose the gate or prepare for the worst you are not now to learn that however flightly i may estimate my own life i will never abandon this lady to the horrors which your community have already prepared for her elena summoning her fleeting spirits endeavoured to calm the indignation of vivaldi and to prevent the consequence of his suspicions as well as to prevail with geronimo to unfasten the gate her efforts were however followed by a long alteration but at length the art or the innocence of the brother appeased vivaldi who now endeavoured to force the gate while geronimo in vain represented its strength and the certain ruin that must fall upon himself if it should be discovered he had concurred in destroying it the gate was immovable but as no other chance of escaping appeared vivaldi was not easily prevailed with to desist all possibility of retreating too was gone since the church and the cave were now crowded with devotees attending the matin service geronimo however seemingly did not despair of effecting their release but he acknowledged that they would probably be compelled to remain concealed in this gloomy avenue all night and perhaps the next day at length it was agreed that he should return to the church to examine whether a possibility remained of the fugitives passing unobserved to the great portal and having conducted them back to the chamber of which they had taken a passing glimpse he proceeded to the shrine for a considerable time after his departure they were not without hope but their confidence diminishing as his delay increased their uncertainty at length became terrible and it was only for the sake of vivaldi from whom she scrupulously concealed all knowledge of the particular fate which she was aware must await her in the convent that elena appeared to endure it with calmness notwithstanding the plausibility of geronimo suspicion of his treachery returned upon her mind the cold and earthy air of this chamber was like that of a sepulchre and when she looked round it appeared exactly to correspond with the description given by olivia of the prison where the nun had languished and expired it was walled and vaulted with the rock had only one small grated aperture in the roof to admit air and contained no furniture except one table a bench and the lamp which dimly shewed the apartment that a lamp should be found burning in a place so remote and solitary amazed her still more when she recollected the assertion of geronimo that even holy steps seldom passed this way and when she considered also 
that he had expressed no surprise at a circumstance according to his own assertion so unusual again it appeared that she had been betrayed into the very prison designed for her by the abbess and the horror occasioned by this supposition was so great that she was on the point of disclosing it to vivaldi but an apprehension of the distraction into which his desperate courage might precipitate him restrained her while these considerations occupied elena and it appeared that any certainty would be less painful than this suspense she frequently looked round the chamber in search of some object which might contradict or confirm her suspicion that this was the death-room of the unfortunate nun no such circumstance appeared but as her eyes glanced with almost frenzied eagerness she perceived something shadowy in a remote corner of the floor and on approaching discovered what seemed a dreadful hieroglyphic a mattress of straw in which she thought she beheld the deathbed of the miserable recluse nay more that the impression it still retained was that which her form had left there while vivaldi was yet entreating her to explain the occasion of the horror she betrayed the attention of each was withdrawn by a hollow sigh that rose near them elena caught unconsciously the arm of vivaldi and listened aghast for a return of the sound but all remained still it surely was not fancied said vivaldi after a long pause you heard it also i did replied elena it was a sigh was it not he added oh yes and such a sigh some person is concealed near us observed vivaldi looking round but be not alarmed elena i have a sword a sword alas you know not but hark there again that was very near us said vivaldi this lamp burns so sickly and he held it high endeavoring to penetrate the furthest gloom of the chamber ha who goes there he cried and stepped suddenly forward but no person appeared and a silence as of the tomb returned if you are in sorrow speak vivaldi at length said from fellow-sufferers you will meet with sympathy if your designs are evil tremble for you shall find i am desperate still no answer was returned and he carried forward the lamp to the opposite end of the chamber where he perceived a small door in the rock at the same instant he heard from within a low tremulous sound as of a person in prayer or in agony he pressed against the door which to his surprise yielded immediately and discovered a figure kneeling before a crucifix with an intention so wholly engaged as not to observe the presence of a stranger till vivaldi spoke the person then rose from his knees and turning shewed the silvered temples and pale features of an aged monk the mild and sorrowful character of the countenance and the lambent lustre of eyes which seemed still to retain somewhat of the fire of genius interested vivaldi and encouraged elena who had followed him an unaffected surprise appeared in the air of the monk but vivaldi notwithstanding the interesting benignity of his countenance feared to answer his inquiries till the father hinted to him that an explanation was necessary even to his own safety 
encouraged by his manner rather than intimidated by this hint and perceiving that his situation was desperate vivaldi confided to the friar some partial knowledge of his embarrassment while he spoke the father listened with deep attention looked with compassion alternately upon him and elena and some harassing objection seemed to contend with the pity which urged him to assist the strangers he inquired how long geronimo had been absent and shook his head significantly when he learned that the gate of the avenue was fastened by a double lock you are betrayed my children said he you have trusted with the simplicity of youth and the cunning of age has deceived you the terrible conviction affected elena to tears and vivaldi scarcely able to command the indignation which a view of such treachery excited was unable to offer her any consolation you my daughter i remember to have seen in the church this morning observed the friar i remember too that you protested against the vows you were brought thither to seal alas my child was you aware of the consequence of such a proceeding i had only a choice of evils elena replied holy father said vivaldi i will not believe that you are one of those who either assisted in or approved of the persecution of innocence if you were acquainted with the misfortunes of this lady you would pity and save her but there is now no time for detail and i can only conjure you by every sacred consideration to assist her to leave the convent if there were leisure to inform you of the unjustifiable means which have been employed to bring her within these walls if you knew that she was taken an orphan from her home at midnight that armed ruffians brought her hither and that the command of strangers that she has not a single relation surviving to assert her right of independence or reclaim her of her persecutors o oh, holy father if you knew all this vivaldi was unable to proceed the friar again regarded elena with compassion but still in thoughtful silence all oh, this may be very true at length he said but and he hesitated i understand you father said vivaldi you require proof but how can proof be adduced here you must rely upon the honour of my word and if you are inclined to assist us it must be immediately while you hesitate we are lost even now i think i hear the footsteps of geronimo he stepped softly to the door of the chamber but all was yet still the friar too listened but he also deliberated while elena with clasped hands and a look of eager supplication and terror awaited his decision no one is approaching said vivaldi it is not yet too late good father if you would serve us dispatch poor innocent said the friar half to himself in this chamber in this fatal place in this chamber exclaimed elena anticipating his meaning it was in this chamber then that a nun was suffered to perish and i no doubt am conducted hither to undergo a similar fate in this chamber re-echoed vivaldi in a voice of desperation holy father if you are indeed disposed to assist us let us act this instant 
the next perhaps may render your best intentions unavailing the friar who had regarded elena while she mentioned the nun with his utmost surprise now withdrew his attention a few tears fell on his cheek but he hastily dried them and seemed struggling to overcome some grief that was deep in his heart vivaldi finding that entreaty had no power to hasten his decision and expecting every moment to hear the approach of geronimo paced the chamber in agonizing perturbation now pausing at the door to listen and then calling though almost hopelessly upon the humanity of the friar while elena looking round the room in shuddering horror repeatedly exclaimed on this very spot in this very chamber oh what sufferings have these walls witnessed what are they yet to witness vivaldi now endeavoured to soothe the spirits of elena and again urged the friar to employ this critical moment in saving her oh heaven said he if she is now discovered her fate is certain i dare not say what that fate would be interrupted the father or what my own should i consent to assist you but though i am old i have not quite forgotten to feel for others they may oppress the few remaining years of my age but the blooming days of youth should flourish and they shall flourish my children if my power can aid you follow me to the gate we will see whether my key cannot unfasten all the locks that hold it vivaldi and elena immediately followed the feeble steps of the old man who frequently stopped to listen whether geronimo or any of the brothers to whom the latter might have betrayed elena's situation were approaching but not an echo wandered along the lonely avenue till they reached the gate when distant footsteps beat upon the ground they are approaching father whispered elena oh if the key should not open these locks instantly we are lost hark now i hear their voices they call upon my name already they have discovered we have left the chamber while the friar with trembling hands applied the key vivaldi endeavoured at once to assist him and to encourage elena the locks gave way and the gate opened at once upon the moonlight mountains elena heard once more with the joy of liberty the midnight breeze passing among the pensile branches of the palms that loftily overshadowed a rude platform before the gate and rustling with fainter sound among the pendant shrubs of the surrounding cliffs there is no leisure for thanks my children said the friar observing they were about to speak i will fasten the gate and endeavour to delay your pursuers that you may have time to escape my blessing go with you elena and vivaldi had scarcely a moment to bid him farewell before he closed the door and vivaldi taking her arm was hastening towards the place where he had ordered paolo to wait with the horses when on turning an angle of the convent wall they perceived a long train of pilgrims issuing forth from the portal at a little distance vivaldi drew back yet dreading every moment that he lingered near the monastery to hear the voice of geronimo or other persons from the avenue he was sometimes inclined to proceed at any hazard the only practicable path leading to the base of the mountain however was now occupied by these devotees and to mingle with them was little less than certain destruction 
a bright moonlight shewed distinctly every figure that moved in the scene and the fugitives kept within the shadow of the walls till warned by an approaching footstep they crossed to the feet of the cliffs that rose beyond some palmy hillocks on the right whose dusky recesses promised a temporary shelter as they passed with silent steps along the winding rocks the tranquillity of the landscape below afforded an affecting contrast to the tumult and alarm of their minds being now at some distance from the monastery they rested under the shade of the cliffs till the procession of devotees which were traced descending among the thicket and hollows of the mountain should be sufficiently remote often they looked back to the convent expecting to see lights issue from the avenue or the portal and attended in mute anxiety for the sullen murmurs of pursuit but none came on the breeze nor did any gleaming lamp betray the steps of a spy released at length from immediate apprehension elena listened to the matin hymn of the pilgrims as it came upon the still air and ascended towards the cloudless heavens not a sound mingled with the holy strain and even in the measured pause of voices only the trembling of the foliage above was distinguished the responses as they softened away in distance and swelled again on the wasting breeze appeared like the music of spirits watching by night upon the summits of the mountains and answering each other in celestial airs as they walked their high boundary and overlooked the sleeping world how often elena at this hour said vivaldi have i lingered round your dwelling consoled by the consciousness of being near you within those walls i have said she reposes they enclose my world all without to me is a desert now i am in your presence o oh, elena now that you are once more restored to me suffer not the caprice of possibility again to separate us let me lead you to the first altar that will confirm our vows vivaldi forgot in the anxiety of a stronger interest the delicate silence he had resolved to impose upon himself till elena should be in a place of safety this is not a moment she replied with hesitation for conversation our situation is yet perilous we tremble on the very brink of danger vivaldi immediately rose into what imminent danger said he had my selfish folly nearly precipitated you we are lingering in this alarming neighborhood when that feeble strain indicates the pilgrims to be sufficiently remote to permit us to proceed as he spoke they descended cautiously among the cliffs often looking back to the convent where however no light appeared except what the moon shed over the spires and tall windows of its cathedral for a moment elena fancied she saw a taper in her favorite turret and a belief that the nuns perhaps the abbess herself were searching for her there renewed her terror and her speed but the rays were only those of the moon striking through the opposite casements of the chamber and the fugitives reached the base of the mountains without further alarm where paolo appeared with horses ah signor mio said the servant i am glad to see you alive and merry i began to fear by the length of your stay that the monks had clapped you up to do penance for life how glad i am to see you maestro not more so than i am to see you good paolo but where is the pilgrim's cloak i bade you provide paolo displayed it and vivaldi having wrapped it round elena and placed her on horseback 
they took the road towards Naples, Elena designing to take refuge in the convent della Pieta. Vivaldi, however, apprehending that their enemies would seek them on this road, proposed leaving it as soon as practicable, and reaching the neighborhood of Villa Atieri by a circuitous way. They soon arrived at the tremendous pass through which Elena had approached the monastery, and whose horrors were considerably heightened at this dusky hour, for the moonlight fell only partially upon the deep barriers of the gorge, and frequently the precipice with the road on its brow was entirely shadowed by other cliffs and woody points that rose above it. But Paolo, whose spirit seldom owned the influence of local scenery, jogged merrily along, frequently congratulating himself and his master on their escape, and caroling briskly to the echoes of the rocks, till Vivaldi, apprehensive for the consequence of this loud gaiety, desired him to desist. "'Ah, signora mio, I must obey,' said he. "'But my heart was never so full in my life, "'and I would fain sing to unburden it of some of this joy. "'That scrape we got into in the dungeon there at—what's the name of the place? "'Ah, was bad enough, but it was nothing to this, "'because here I was left out of it, "'and you, maestro, might have been murdered again and again, while I, thinking of nothing at all, was quietly airing myself on the mountain by the moonlight. But what is that yonder in the sky, senor? It looks for all the world like a bridge, only it is perched so high that nobody would think of building one in such an out-of-the-way place unless to cross from cloud to cloud, much less take the trouble of clambering up after it, for the pleasure of going over. Vivaldi looked forward, and Elena perceived the alpine bridge she had formerly crossed with so much alarm in the moonlight perspective, airily suspended between the tremendous cliffs, with the river far below tumbling down the rocky chasm. One of the supporting cliffs, with part of the bridge, was in deep shade, but the other feathered with foliage, and the rising surges at its foot were strongly illumined and many a thicket wet with the spray sparkled in contrast to the dark rock it overhung. Beyond the arch the long-drawn prospect faded into misty light. "'Well, to be sure,' exclaimed Paolo, "'to see what curiosity will do, if there are not some people have found their way up to the bridge already.' Vivaldi now perceived figures upon the slender arch, and, as their indistinct forms glided in the moonshine, other emotions than those of wonder disturbed him, lest these might be pilgrims going to the shrine of Our Lady, and who would give information of his route. No possibility, however, appeared of avoiding them, for the precipices that rose immediately above and fell below forbade all excursion, and the road itself was so narrow as scarcely to admit of two horses passing each other. They are all off the bridge now, and without having broken their necks, perhaps, said Paolo. Where, I wonder, will they go next? Why, surely, senor, this road does not lead to the bridge yonder. We are not going to pick our way in the air, too. The roar of those waters has made my head dizzy already, and the rocks here are as dark as midnight and seem ready to tumble upon one. They are enough to make one despair to look at them. You need not have checked my mirth, signor. I would fain check your loquacity, replied Vivaldi. Do, good Paolo, be silent and circumspect. 
Those people may be near us, though we do not yet see them. The road does lead to the bridge, then, senor, said Paolo dolorously. And see, there they are again, winding round that rock and coming towards us. Hush, they are pilgrims, whispered Vivaldi. We will linger under the shade of these rocks while they pass. Remember, Paolo, that a single indiscreet word may be fatal, and that if they hail us, I alone am to answer. You are obeyed, senor. The fugitives drew up close under the cliffs and proceeded slowly while the words of the devotees, as they advanced, became audible. It gives some comfort, said Paolo, to hear cheerful voices in such a place as this. Bless their merry hearts. There seems a pilgrimage of pleasure. But they will be demure enough, I warrant. By and by, I wish I... Paolo, have you so soon forgot? said Vivaldi sharply. The devotees, on perceiving the travellers, became suddenly silent, till he who appeared to be the father-director, as they passed, said, Hail, in the name of Our Lady of Mount Carmel, and they repeated the salutation in chorus. Hail, replied Vivaldi, the first mass is over, and he passed on. But if you make haste, you may come in for the second, said Paolo, jogging after. You have just left the shrine, then, said one of the party, and can tell us? Poor pilgrims like yourselves, replied Paolo, and can tell as little. Good morrow, fathers, yonder peeps the dawn. He came up with his master, who had hurried forward with Elena, and who now severely reproved his indiscretion, while the voices of the Carmelites singing the matin hymn sunk away among the rocks, and the quietness of solitude returned. "'Thank heaven we are quit of this adventure,' said Vivaldi. "'And now we have the only the bridge to get over,' rejoined Paolo, "'and I hope we shall all be safe.' They were now at the entrance of it. As they passed the trembling planks and looked up the glen, a party of people appeared advancing on the road the fugitives had left, and a chorus of other voices than those of the Carmelites were heard mingling with the hollow sound of the waters.' Elena, again alarmed, hastened forward, and Vivaldi, though he endeavored to appease her apprehension of pursuit, encouraged her speed. <laughs> These are nothing but more pilgrims, signora, said Paolo. Oh, they would not send such loud shouts before them. They must needs think we can hear. The travelers proceeded as fast as the broken road would permit, and were soon beyond the reach of the voices. But as Paolo turned to look whether the party was within sight, he perceived two persons wrapped in cloaks, advancing under the brow of the cliffs, and within a few paces of his horse's heels. Before he could give notice to his master, they were at his side. "'Are you returning from the shrine of Our Lady?' said one of them. Vivaldi, startled by the voice, looked round and demanded who asked the question. "'A brother pilgrim!' replied the man one who has toiled up these steep rocks till his limbs will scarcely bear him further would that you would take compassion on him and give him a ride however compassionate vivaldi might be to the sufferings of others this was not a moment when he would indulge his disposition without endangering the safety of elena and he had even fancied the stranger spoke in a voice of dissimulation. 
his suspicions strengthened when the traveller not repulsed by a refusal inquired the way he was going and proposed to join his party for these mountains they say are infested with banditti he added and a large company is less likely to be attacked than a small one if you are so very weary my friend said vivaldi how is it possible you can keep pace with our horses though i acknowledge you have done wonders in overtaking them the fear of these banditti replied the stranger urged us on you have nothing to apprehend from robbers said vivaldi if you will only moderate your pace for a large company of pilgrims are on the road who will soon overtake you he then put an end to the conversation by clapping spurs to his horse and the strangers were soon left far behind the inconsistency of their complaints with their ability and the whole of their manner were serious subjects of alarm to the fugitives but when they had lost sight of them they lost also their apprehensions and having at length emerged from the pass they quitted the high roads of naples and struck into the solitary one that led westward towards aquila End of chapter twelve reading by marty chris